Hey, good morning, church. So good just to be in God's presence as we worship him and excited as uh, we turn to his word now for truth and light and really a, a guidance to light our path and fill us with purpose. Uh, just excited what we're going to look at today. But before we get there, just one quick announcement. A lot of us, we just love our church. Do you love your church here? Yeah. So if you want to show people that we have some shirts, uh, we have some merchandise. We just opened an online merchandise store that's going to be available over the next couple weeks. One of our local businesses here in town is managing this for us. And so if you're interested in buying some different shirts or there's coffee cups, tote bags, things like that available, you can just scan that code. Um, Place your order, uh, and then October 1st, all those orders will be delivered here, and you'll just pick them up on a Sunday morning. So trying to make it as easy on you uh, as possible. And so if you have questions about it, Joan will be by the small town doors um, after service. She's also got some women's shirts, so you can touch them, feel them, make sure uh, it's the size that you really want. Guys, I don't think we care about our clothing that much, <laughs> but you can touch it. They're really nice shirts, and then we'll just... Uh, I I think the men's sizes are pretty, pretty standard. So I uh, hope you'll enjoy those. Um, and we've got a couple weeks to take advantage of that. So, all right. Today we are launching a new three-week series called The Blessed Life. I think all of us would say, maybe I'll just ask you, do you want God's favor and blessing on your life? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. It, we're going to look at what it means, the biblical foundation of what that actually means, how we can be blessed in this life, blessed specifically through faith, which we'll talk about today. Next week, Pastor Mark will take us what it means to be blessed in prayer. And then finally, I'll finish up the series as we talk about blessed in obedience. But central to the biblical story is God's desire to bless us. And bless the whole world through us. You know, through faith in Jesus, the Bible says that we are grafted into the family of Abraham. In Genesis 12, if you'll remember, God approaches Abraham and he says, hey, I have a great promise for you. And in fact, the Bible story, or the, the entire scripture follows that promise and that family up through Christ, through the New, uh, the New Testament church, and even to us today. And God said this to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. As we're grafted into his family, that means that we receive that promise as well. That God actually desires to bless us and to overflow us so much that we would be a blessing to the ends of the earth, to others around us. And so what does it mean? Like, how can we know that we have God's blessing or favor on our life? Can we align ourselves biblically with his purposes and his call on our lives so that we can experience that more and more? And I believe we can. And so over the next three weeks, we're going to look at Jesus' words from the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you've got a Bible, you can even open up to Matthew 5. It, it's found in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And here Jesus starts the sermon and then expands throughout the sermon on what it means to be blessed. What it means to belong to him, that he actually brought the kingdom of God. And if we let him be kings in our life, or the king of our life, we will be his ambassador and we'll receive God's blessing as well. 
So a question I have for you this morning is, do you feel blessed? Is it deep in your soul that you have peace, that you are blessed? Sometimes we think, well, you know what, I I do, but if I had that thing that I really want, I'd feel a little bit more blessed. If I, if I was able to achieve that, that goal, man, I, I would feel confident in God's blessing on my life. If I just had that position at work or, or that position on my team, man, uh, I would feel blessed. Or maybe you're just in a season of life that's hard, and it's hard to feel blessed. I know this morning, <clears throat> sorry, a lot of us come in today wanting God's blessing on our life. And my hope is as we look to the word of God, we will understand how that blessing can be so rooted in our core that it won't depend on the temporal things outside of us and outside of our relationship with Christ, but rather would be so deeply rooted in what it means to know God and to put our faith in him through Jesus. That is true biblical blessing. And so that's what we're going to explore today. What, what does the Bible actually say it means to be blessed? How can we mature in our faith to a place where we have certainty and confidence in the fact that we are blessed because we are children of God? So this is the biblical truth that's going to guide us today, but also carry us through these next couple weeks. It is this, if you're following along in, in your notes, biblically speaking, the blessing and favor of God is contained in our relationship with God through Christ. The blessing and favor of God is contained in our relationship with God through Christ. As we look to his word, we're going to see that his blessing is not just something given like a gift outside of who God is, but it's, ba- it's a blessing found fully in knowing him and knowing that every good and perfect gift that we have in our life comes from him because he is good. It's important to know and to trust God's desire to actually pour out his favor and his blessing on us, even when we don't feel like we deserve it. We already mentioned that, that promise that he gave to Abraham, but even looking at, you know, what, what does God say it means to be blessed? Is there anything in scripture where he speaks directly to it? I was so encouraged as I came across the benediction in number six, 22 through 27. Just the context of this, you know, we studied the tabernacle series over, over the summer, and we talked about how worship was just central to the people of Israel, and that the priests and the high priests, they would intercede for the people to God on their behalf, and then they would speak to the people back from God and, and speak words of encouragement, life, and blessing. And what was interesting was what God told Moses to instruct the priests to say to the people. And when you hear these words, hear God's desire to bless you and what it actually looks like. He says this in Numbers 6, 22 to 27. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron, who's the high priest and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace so that they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. 
Do you see God's design for this blessing? It's not something we have outside of him, but it is rather him fully in relationship with us, that he would turn his face toward us, that we would be able to come into his presence and receive the light of his glory. Reflecting on this, R.C. Sproul said this. He said, we need to look no further than this benediction to understand what biblical blessedness is. To be blessed is to be brought into an intimate, close relationship with Almighty God so that God would remove the veil, that God would literally make his face radiate the essence of his glory and shine on you, that he would elevate, intensify, and turn up the light of his presence on your life so that there would be no darkness in your life whatsoever. There is no higher possible delight that any creature in all of creation can ever enjoy than to bask in the presence of the light of God. So may you understand in the depths of your souls, the deepest chamber of your heart, the sweetness of the presence of God as you live before his face every moment. Are you blessed this morning? Do you know the Lord in such a way that his face has been revealed to you, his love, his heart? Have you stepped into relationship with him through Christ so that you can know he is blessing you because you are seeing him more and more fully, walking in his light more and more day, or more and more each day? You know, there's someone here in our church that as I was thinking about this idea, it just, it came to my mind. Um, if you were to come across this gentleman and you'd ask him, hey, how are you? How are things going? There is a standard response you're going to get every time. It's like pushing a button on him. He's going to say it. Josh Stamper, our big fella right over here. If you come up to him, Josh, how are you? I'm blessed and highly favored. I'll be honest, Josh, first time I heard you say that, I was like, mm, that's weird. Uh, like, I don't, like, like, let's be honest, like, life ain't that good. Like, you got stuff going, we got stuff. But what I've come to know after year after year and time after time, Josh is saying that not based on his circumstances or what he has or doesn't have, but based on his identity. I am blessed and highly favored. Are you blessed this morning? Is that where your identity is in Christ? If so, man, God's blessing, his favor, his delight is already upon you. And why is it so important for us to start here as we explore this? Well, it's, under, it's so important for us to understand who God is and his character because it shapes what it means or what we think it means to be blessed by him. If I approach God with kind of a theology of transactional love and blessing, in other words, if my approach to God is if... God will love me if I do this. God will bless me if I do this. Then my faith becomes more and more revolved around my actions or inactions and not his character and his love. He's come to set us free from that. We fall into a practice of religion when we're trying to earn God's love and blessing and favor instead of being content and confident in the relationship we have with Christ and that blessing is on us already because we are his children. And so as we look at the heart of God in Scripture, 
We see a God who is gracious and compassionate, a God who doesn't withhold his favor and blessing, but is abounding in love and desires to pour it out on us so that we can carry it to the ends of the earth. So our hope over these next three weeks is not for us to walk away with like a checklist or a formula of how do we gain God's favor? How do I get God's blessing? But rather just to rest in the, confident that, the, the confidence that comes with knowing his character and his presence. To know his favor is resting upon you as you walk in relationship with him. So that being blessed is more about who you are than what you do. It flows out of our being and our love, and it gives us the freedom to live in obedience, to walk with joy, and to have confidence in who he is. You know, thinking of this, Paul tried to remind us in Romans 8.32, knowing that, you know, sometimes we see the, the blessing as all the other things. He even reminds us of this. He says, he who did not spare his son, God, who gave even his son for you, Will he not along, also along with him graciously give you all things? If we can be confident in our relationship with him, then those other things that God will pour out on your life, we can trust that they will come in his way and in his time, and they will be a blessing to us as well. John in 1 John 3, 1, he says, hey, who you are, remember this, what great love the Father has lavished on you, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. We are children of God. The reason the world doesn't know us and acknowledge us and recognize us as we follow Christ is because it didn't follow or recognize him. But know that you are blessed and highly favored when you root your identity in, as a child of God and you walk in obedience and joy and in faith in that identity. And so today, that, let that be the foundation for what we're going to explore over uh, today and the next couple of weeks. But I would encourage you as we look into the Sermon on the Mount, even this morning, just in your own personal time over the next couple of weeks, just pour yourself into that, into Christ's words in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. You will be so encouraged by it. Just to give you a little context of it before we dig in this morning, in Matthew's gospel, as Jesus steps on the scene in Matthew 4, he says boldly, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is at hand. In other words, the king has left his throne in heaven and has brought the kingdom to earth. And then throughout his life, he gives this message, if you will let me be king of your life, you will experience what it means to be in the kingdom of heaven adopted as God's son or daughter, experiencing the kingdom of God. And so throughout his ministry in Matthew, oftentimes the stories, the examples in scripture root back to these passages in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 to explain what this kingdom is all about. What does it mean to live in the freedom and the blessing of being in relationship with him? And so if you turn to Matthew 5, if you have your Bible, you notice it says that Jesus, just starting his ministry, a, a great crowd has gathered because he's healing people and casting out demons. And it said that he was beside the sea, that is the Sea of Galilee, and then he took his disciples up a mountainside. 
And so a few months ago, we were actually in this place. Uh, some of us who got to go to Israel, we experienced the Sea of Galilee, all the villages around it. And we, we stood there at the sea and then up on the mountainside is the traditional site where they say Jesus gave this sermon on the mount. And so as we went there and we read these words, just envisioning Christ himself speaking them for the first time. We spent time in prayer, and then I asked Pastor Matt if he would just read the Beatitudes, the first few scriptures of Matthew 5, and I could film it. And so today, instead of me reading it, I want you to watch as Pastor Matt reads these Beatitudes found in Matthew 5, there on the hillside by the Sea of Galilee. You enjoy this. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way that they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So what, it, what does it mean to be blessed? What does Jesus say? Well, in the few minutes that we have left, we're just going to look at these beatitudes. What, what does it mean to live out of a place of blessing? And so if you're following along, you'll notice that the lines there are just spaces for you to jot notes. I don't want anybody not leaving today because we didn't give you the correct fill in. How many of us are like that? All right. There's a few of us. It's like, you missed a spot here, Pastor. I will not leave until I get that. Uh, it's just space for you as we go through these Beatitudes. If God speaks something to you, reveals something to you, maybe just to jot down a, a thought. And I'll be honest, there is no way in the next 10 or 15 minutes we can do justice to all these. And so there are so many great resources, great sermons on, on YouTube uh, that, that expand more on these Beatitudes. Encourage you to look those up, explore those. But we'll just walk through these Beatitudes uh, with the few minutes that we have left. And so it starts with this. Jesus said, if she, this is what it means to be blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, the, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is at hand, Jesus said. And if you think about that, like what does it take to conquer a kingdom, to receive a kingdom? Immediately we think, man, that takes like the best of the best kind of people to like inherit that or to be worthy of such an honor as that. But Jesus flips everything upside down and he starts what it means to be blessed by saying blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are broken before God because they're acutely aware of their sin and their need for God's grace. And so they come to him with a spirit of brokenness, of poverty. He says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Right away, blessing is not a matter of perfection. It's not a matter of effort or achievement. Blessing, it, it comes to us when we are spiritually broken before the Lord and we ask him for his grace. 
And this is so countercultural, especially that society back in the Roman uh, period of time. Pride and self-reliance was like what everybody had to achieve. The idea of humility was nowhere on anybody's radar. And yet Jesus is saying, hey, this isn't about power or influence. It's about walking humbly before your God and the kingdom of heaven will be yours. If you think of some other stories in the scripture, even I was thinking the prodigal son that we, we read in Luke 15, it gives this idea of this kingdom of heaven and the grace of God being really like scandalous. It, it, it almost doesn't make sense because in that story, you have a son who out of greed takes his inheritance from his father, goes and wastes it away in all sorts of sinful living. And it, when he comes back to his father in true humility and repentance, he receives the grace, the kingdom. And you have the older brother who's lived a good life, done the right things, but is stuck in a spirit of self-righteousness and pride. And that brother doesn't understand why he's missing out on the reward. Jesus is telling us this isn't a matter of perfection or performance. This is a matter of humbly coming before a perfect God and saying, I'm not enough. Would you make me enough through Christ? I am not perfect. I am not holy. Could you make me that way through what Christ has done for me? And so the encouragement for us here is that we are blessed when we approach God daily with that spirit of brokenness. God, I need your grace. And it's also a, a point of caution for followers because sometimes we're tempted. We come into a relationship with Christ and we receive his grace. And then we almost convince ourselves it's really too good to be true. Now that I've walked with him for a little bit, now I got to start proving myself to him. Now I got to start doing all the things and being all, everything that he wants me to be or else. And we just turn inward sometimes in our self-pity or our religious efforts. And what Christ is saying, no, be confident that the blessing I have for you is rooted in the fact that you are spiritually broken and poor and you need my grace. Come before me that way each time. And he builds on that. He says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, this isn't specifically Jesus talking about mourning loss or grief or struggle in this life. Though there are plenty promises and scriptures that say God comforts us and rescues us in our mourning. But rather here, Jesus is building on that first statement. And he's saying, blessed are you when you have a sincere mourning over your sin. Blessed are you when you come into proximity to God and you experience his holiness and you, it reveals how imperfect you are and you humbly say, God, forgive me. Blessed are you when you live your faith year after year, decade after decade, realizing that but for the grace of God, you are nothing. Blessed are you when you are humble before the Lord. I'll be honest, I just love our church family, having walked with many of our members for quite some time, knowing some who have followed the Lord for 50 years or even more. What I love so much is that when someone's walked with the Lord that much and they're still in awe of God's grace because they are aware of their need for it, and it gives them such a sweetness in their spirit, no judgment but rather a sweetness because they realize that the grace of God, they need it today just as much as they did 50 years ago when they first accepted Christ. 
And for us, that's a great testimony because the church of Christ ought to be the most grace-filled fellowship on earth. Because we, as followers of Christ, ought to always remember how constantly we need his grace. The blessing in that is that, again, we carry a spirit of gentleness, of encouragement. We get to be an ambassador of Christ just as Christ was, saying it's not about perfection or performance. Come, you're welcome. We're going to walk this together. We're going to extend grace to one another. So Jesus continues, blessed are those who mourn. He says, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek. What, what does meek mean? It's, it's not the same as weak. Meekness is not weakness, biblically. Rather, meekness is, is, is best described as a spirit of gentleness and defined as strength under control. Being meek means that we, we know who we are and we, we ask God to restrain those things in us that would seek selfishness or pride or our own way, and rather that we would align ourselves more fully with who God is and what he's calling us to do. And I think specifically Jesus is inviting us to experience a relational shift in our life here. Blessed are the meek means that we are set free as we follow Christ, set free from a desire of just getting mine in relationships, seeking our desire above others, taking leadership or, or positions of authority, whether it's in the family or the workplace or in society, instead of lording that over others, rather walking with a, a, a meekness and a humility that says, I'm going to serve others. I'm going to do what is required for the betterment of others. And the truth is, as we settle the lordship issue in our own heart, God will begin to help you become more weak, or meek, I'm sorry, more meek, gentle in spirit. You won't be weak. He'll give you the strength and the self-control to control your selfish desires and your urge and see others relationally through Christ's eyes, that you might be his real ambassador to them. And it'll bless them. It'll bless you. Blessed are you when you are meek. He continues. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. What does it mean to be filled? Again, I think of here not just something that we experience or get, but also the blessing and what we are freed from. Think about your life before Christ, how much of who you were, your purpose, your identity, your success was wrapped up in what you got or achieved or positions. Our soul just almost naturally thinks that fulfillment in life will come from success or possessions or that relationship. But if it's not all rooted in Christ, then we have this holy letdown of when we achieve that thing, we realize, man, I'm still not filled. Oh, coming into relationship with Christ sets us free from that cycle of unfulfillment, of disappointment, to where we can be filled in our deepest core in relationship with him. And then living that blessing just flows out of that fulfillment. Here, Christ is not saying you got to do all these things in the beatitude, but rather because you're filled and you're fulfilled in me, these things are going to be evident in your life. 
because you actually have the peace, the confidence, and the joy to walk these out. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for what Jesus hungers and thirsts for, that you pursue his righteousness, that you stand up for those who are oppressed, that you would seek justice and mercy, that you would be like Christ. Then you will be filled as you walk with him. He continues, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Christian communities throughout the last 2,000 years have been incredible examples of what it means to be merciful. I mean, even if you look at the early church, in a Roman culture that was persecuted so heavily by Romans, by the Jewish religious leaders, you see the early church throughout its history actually giving themselves for the mercy and the blessing of others, even those persecuting them, laying down their own life, shedding their own blood for their benefit so that they might see Christ in them. They realized that they were once blinded to the truths of the gospel, and so now is this person in front of me, so I will give myself as a living sacrifice in mercy for their benefit. And surely they remembered the words of Christ on the cross. Even as he was being nailed to the cross, his prayer was, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So as Christ followers, we ought to carry the mercy of Christ with us so that we can understand offense for what it is. We can understand broken relationships for what it is. And we can say to Christ, Lord, would you show me how to exhibit your mercy here? Would you give me such power through your Holy Spirit that I might live in a way that honors you, that I would be blessed because I'm revealing your mercy to this person? And again, it sets us free from all the baggage that comes when we don't live with mercy, mercy toward one another, or even giving ourselves the mercy of God's grace in our lives. Blessed are you when you are merciful. You will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Jesus continues, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Again, this relationship that we have with Christ is we follow him and he sheds that baggage, that brokenness, the desire for sinful things in our life as, as he purifies our heart. Or we call it sanctification as we come close to him and he burns those things out and away from us. We're able to see him more fully. We're able to stand face to face with God without barriers between us. We can experience the blessing of just being in his presence. Do you want to see God? Do you want a life that's so blessed that you can actually see God day in and day out? You can see God working around you. You can see God giving you guidance on your path. You can see him in his word and through worship. You can see him in this fellowship Blessed are you when you are pure in heart, when you come before God and say, strip away all that distracts or discourages my relationship with you. Help me to be pure in heart so that I may see you. Just a couple more as we wrap up. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. The peacemakers. Again, if all these blessings are rooted in who we are, a child of God, then we are called directly to be a peacemaker. Man, that is so hard in a culture that just wants to devour one another. 
If I walked around with you this week, would I see you be a peacemaker? In your home, are you a peacemaker? At your workplace, are you a peacemaker? Are you seeing through God's wisdom and love the best in others and trying to call them into a life of peace and fulfillment in Christ? Or are you prone to just follow the patterns of the world, the negativity, the criticism, the rejection? As I was preparing this sermon, talking through it, as I do every week with my wife, saying, hey, is this going to go anywhere? Which she's honest with me each time. She said, you know what? That peace that you're talking about, there's nothing like knowing that God's favor and blessing is on you. That's where peace comes from. And I can only be a peacemaker when I know that his favor and his blessings on me. If not, I'm so distracted or discouraged or overwhelmed. I want to be a peacemaker for Christ. And so it's really rooted in who I am. So again, this blessing, it flows out of who we are, not just our own efforts, but rather saying, I am a child of God. God, help me to be a peacemaker today where you send me. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Be encouraged when your faith, your hunger for righteousness calls you to live in such a way that the world rejects you, that people criticize you. When you look at the life of Christ, he lives so surrendered to this idea of the kingdom of heaven that most rejected him. The religious people rejected him because he showed grace to sinners. And he said, this kingdom is available if you recognize your need for grace. The powerful rejected him because he brought a kingdom that turned the typical power structure on end, calling those with position of influence to serve selfishly or selflessly for the benefit of others. The religiously pluralist rejected him because he said, I am the way the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Rejoice, he says, when you prioritize the kingdom of God and your relationship and identity with Christ so much that it brings persecution. I was thinking especially for our students today, as you try to follow Christ in school, on sports teams, in clubs, it is difficult. We acknowledge that. Peer pressure can get to you. Discouragement can get to you. But let me say this, as you follow Christ, if you experience rejection or persecution, be glad because you are receiving God's kingdom and his favor and his blessing on you. That you live with such courage that you're willing to stand up to opposition in order to follow Christ. Don't be discouraged. Rather, if opposition or persecution comes, say, God, your will be done, not mine, and walk in obedience and trust in Christ. The final uh, beatitude goes right along with it. He says, blessed are you when people insult you, when they persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Man, we don't often see blessing as persecution, insult. That's a blessing that maybe many of us would rather not have. We, we prefer comfort. We prefer cool, peace. 
But Jesus here is saying, hey, if you give yourself so fully to the kingdom of God, know that persecution will come, that people will leave your life, that you will not experience the acceptance of those who are stuck in the sinful world. But rejoice because you have a reward waiting for you. This life might not be easy. This life, in fact, for most believers around the world, this life is harder because they're walking in obedience to Christ, but their reward is greater through that obedience. Their peace is greater than what this world can offer. And so if you are finding yourself in a, in a position where you feel like insult or persecution is coming against you, evil is coming against you, rejoice, you are walking with the Lord. And keep that same spirit that Christ had. Lord, not my will, but your will be done. Lord, help me to fight that desire for comfort or security. Lord, help me to just be so fully committed to you and know that your blessing is upon me because of that. So let me ask you, are you blessed today? Are you blessed in your identity in Christ? Are you blessed... Even as we read through these, do you see some of these coming out in your life? And again, not as, hey, you got to be doing all these things or, but rather because of what Christ has done in you, you see these things happening through you. That's the message of Christ here. If his kingdom will reign and rule in your heart, you will be this kind of person experiencing God's blessing and being a blessing to others. And so as we pray this morning, I just want to encourage you maybe just to give space for God, even as you look at those beatitudes, like, God, am I missing out on anything? Am I missing out on some of the blessing you have for me? Am I missing out on the fact that I don't have a relationship with you yet? Do I need to accept Christ and surrender my life to him? Or in these blessings, am I making it more about me than it is about you? Or am I distracted by things that don't matter. So I'm going to pray for us as we close. And I want you just to have some time with the Lord on those. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, this foundational principle that we know is true because your word tells us you desire to bless us. And Lord, that blessing looks like your face being revealed before us. Lord, that we would see clearly who you are, your character, your love. Lord, that we would respond in spiritual humility and brokenness, knowing that there is no way we can get back to you but for the sacrifice of Christ, his blood shed for us on the cross, his resurrection from the dead. That alone is our hope. And so, Lord, we place our hope in you. We place our hope in that faith in Jesus. And, Lord, we acknowledge who we are, your children, blessed because of that and that alone. The king of the universe is our father. So, Lord, every good and perfect gift that you have waiting for us, Lord, we want to receive it. But, God, most of all, we just want to walk with a confidence and a freedom of knowing we are blessed by you. That even in our obedience, it's not a matter of proving ourselves to you, but just out of freedom from walking with you. And, Lord Jesus, I pray anyone today who's here or online who hasn't stepped into that, relationship. Lord, even right now, they would just confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that you lived a perfect life and you died on the cross, bore their sin and shame so that they could be forgiven. And they would even just say, Lord, forgive me. I accept Christ for who he is. I accept that he rose from the grave so I could have the hope of heaven. 
forgive me, restore me back to you. May I be your child through faith. And Lord, as we think about just this blessing, our greatest desire is just an echo of what you gave us in your word. Lord, we want you to bless us and to keep us. Lord, may you make your face shine on us. May you be gracious to us. Lord, would you turn your face toward us? And Father, give us peace. God, we don't deserve it. I'm so thankful to know it's your heart that we would receive it. And so in faith today, we receive that blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, in a minute, we're going to close with an opportunity to take communion. I would just encourage you, if you're new and you filled out that next steps card, uh, Jeff and Gina are back there at the yes table. They'd love to connect with you. Or if you made that commitment to Christ and you'd like for them to pray with you and encourage you, or if you've got questions about what that means, they'll be back there. They'll be happy to connect with you. Uh, as I introduce communion, I'm going to invite our life group leaders and elders to come forward and prepare for communion. Communion here at Brandywine, we offer it. It's an open communion for anyone who is a follower of Christ. And we, we take this every couple of weeks just in obedience to what God has instructed us to do. Jesus said, as, as much as you gather and do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that I gave my life for you. My body was broken for you. My blood was shed for you. And so as you gather and worship and you take the cup and the bread, be reminded of my grace being poured out to you and your need for that grace each and every day. And so as I pray, I will invite a couple more leaders to come and give them a hand and then we'll open the altar. God, again, we just remember your words to us. Do this in remembrance of me. And even today, Lord, may we experience your blessing as we spend time with you. And we experience your blessing as we remember the extent of your love poured out for us. God, we open ourselves fully to who you are, your love and grace in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You're welcome to come forward and take the elements or there are prepackaged elements in the back. Thank you for being here. It's great to worship with you this morning.